Hello. Welcome to North Coast Calvary Chapel's audio podcast. Well, we are going to read Mark 10, 17 to 23. So if you guys will stand up with me as we honor the word, as we read it together. Perfect. So Mark 10, 17 to 23. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your mother and father. Teacher, he declared, I've, all of these things I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Woo! We got a scripture for today, don't we? Do we not? We have got a scripture for today. This is not going to be that light little meal. This is going to be some, this is going to be some filet mignon. It's going to be some thick meat. We're going in. Some, some T-bone steak. This passage is such a challenging passage. And it's one of those moments that maybe we would all kind of like to look past. You know, who wants to look at this moment? Or, this is a hard moment. He walks away sad. And it's a bit intimidating. And I got to tell you, this last week on Thursday, when I was getting ready to record this message in the morning, I definitely was like, oh, maybe I picked the wrong passage. Am I ready for this thing? It's so powerful because it really challenges us in such an important way for us that we need in this country. We need this kind of challenge. We need Jesus to speak these words to us. This passage helps us understand that when we encounter Jesus, he exposes our idols. He shows us where our treasure is. And we need that. We need to let Jesus show us because as we see in this passage, he wants to reveal the love of God into our life. And he wants to remove everything that is standing between us and more and more outpouring of the Father's love into our lives. So anything that stands in the love, in the way of God's love for us, he is jealous and passionate for us. And so he's going to expose our idols and show us where our treasure is to heal us. Listen to this story or this quote. All right. I want to quote Jim Carrey. All right. And uh, the quote Jim Carrey, don't be freaked out. This guy, he's got something to say to us tonight. Listen to what Jim, good old Jim, he's, you know, he's a comedian, he's an actor, if you don't know who he is. And he says this, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do, you like that? What's the stop right there? I think everybody should get rich and famous. No, we're not going to stop there. And he goes, and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. Come on now. Come on now. Maybe we're like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I actually would like to get rich and try it for myself. But Jesus already knows it's not the answer. And that's what we see with this rich guy. And that's what he wants. And that way he wants to minister to us tonight. Now, I want to start where um, things always start with Jesus. It starts with the heart. So let's do that. You know, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know that teaching? 
You familiar with that word from Jesus? It's fascinating. It's a very insightful statement, right? Another way of understanding what he's saying here is where your treasure is is where your heart is going to go. So where the investment of your time and energy and attention and focus is, that is where your heart is going to go. You might be thinking, so what? Who cares if my heart goes there or here or everywhere? What difference does that make? Well, let's keep going. Proverbs 4.23 about your heart says this, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Now, what is that saying to you? Right? So here we are, we're digging, we're excavating deep into who you are as a human being. We're going into this inner place in your life. And what the scripture is saying is there is a wellspring in your life from which everything you do and everything and everything you will become flows from. It sets the course of the future and value of your entire life. And it flows from your heart. I think we get focused on what we do out here, but what Jesus is saying, what you're doing out here is coming from in here. This is what you need to pay attention to. Now, listen to this. This is where it gets really dicey. Now watch this scripture about the heart. Ecclesiastes 3.11, he has also set eternity in the human heart. Now that's crazy. Think about this. You are never going to stop existing. Consider that. You will exist forever. You're going to live forever. Oh, yes. Now let's, let's put it all together. Where your treasure goes, your eternal future will go. Are you with me on that? Where your treasure is, is where your heart goes. And where your heart goes, your eternal life and future is going. Now that's why, what, why Jesus has got to dig into this guy. He's got to go beneath the surf with this, this guy and get into his heart. Your heart is the throne of your will, your identity, and your deepest sense of self. And what sits on that throne determines who you will become. It determines not only your present and your life now, but your future forever. What is on the throne of your heart? That's what concerns God. That's what's concerning Jesus right here in this moment when this man says, I want eternal life. He's like, then who is on the throne of your heart? In short, your heart goes where your eternal future goes. Verse 17, let's go back to the passage. Look at what the man asked Jesus. What must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do? to have eternal life. What does this represent about us and about the desires of our life that we experience every day? Because this desire for eternal life is in you, is in every one of us as a human being. It finds expression when, for example, you lose a loved one. They die and there's grief and there's something innocent and like, it just shouldn't be that way. I remember a good friend of mine, ours uh, lost her son, at the age of, I can't remember the, I think around five, playing at a playground, fell, hit his head, got up, walked over, crawled into her arms, and never opened his eyes again. I think it was like eight years later, I asked her, How you, what happens to that grief? And she's like, you know, you just, you learn to live with it. 
it kind of never goes away. That is a mother's yearning for eternal life for her child. There's something in us that knows that that's not the way it's supposed to be and something in us that just can't let go. That is your heart's desire for eternal life. Anytime anything good in your life comes to an end, you know what I mean? We just want these good moments. We could just bottle them up and keep them. And wouldn't it be cool if you could bottle up your favorite moment and relive it every morning? The, the, the moment you wake up, just boom, hit play, and you're in that moment. Woo! Holding up the trophy. You know, I don't know. Having that amazing cup of coffee. I don't know. Falling in love with what, you know, I don't know what it is for you. Getting that A plus. What's, what's yours? If you could just start the day. The truth is, every good thing in this life comes to an end. And the grief that we, oh, I don't want to let go of that. That's your heart's yearning for eternal life. There's a deep desire for all of us. And that desire for eternal life is what connects us to our desire for God and our desire for the absolute best goodness in our life. Now, I know that's grammatically incorrect. All right, come on now. Don't, don't hold me to that. But I want, you, I want to say it in a funny way. And for every one of us, we have this desire for the absolute best for our life. We want the absolute highest quality of goodness. Nobody, none of us here want second best. If you could have second best or best, wouldn't you every time choose the best? If they were both available, you're like, yes, please. I'll take the best. We all want the best in our life. That's your desire for eternal life. That's why we get into this moment with this man who comes to Jesus. He wants eternal life. And we start talking about what's good. And Jesus gets in his dialogue about what's good. What's really good. Because this man has a funny understanding of what is good and where goodness comes from. We try to find what... You know, our goodness in ourself, we try to find what will make us good, what will make our life good and our future good in all kinds of ways. What is the goodness in your life that you are seeking? What goodness in your life makes your life feel valuable, worthwhile? What good in your life enriches you and feels like, man, if I just could have that, if I... It, these are not bad things. These are good things. These are blessings, okay? For example, we try to find our goodness in ourselves, our opinions about things, our achievements. It could be academic. It could be in sports, right? It could be in your profession, your career, all right? It could be in your recreation, okay? There's those things. And those are good things. These are God's gifts that he puts in our life. These are God's gifts. And they're meant to fill us with his goodness, there's goodness in the world that we try to find, in pleasure, in human praise. That's not a bad thing. That's a gift from God. God has given us the gift of praise. It says in the Bible, a woman who fears the Lord should be praised. Praise is not bad. Don't you feel good when someone gives you praise? Doesn't that feel good? When was the last time you gave someone you care about praise? You gave them a good, you know, busted out a big old can of praise on them. Come on, I dare you. I dare you this week to bust out a can of praise on somebody who's meaningful to you. That makes us feel good, and it should make you feel good. That's how God designed it. The problem is, is when the gift becomes the giver. When the gift, begin, the gift of goodness in our life begins to take the place of God. 
And that's why we get to verse 18. Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. Now, what is Jesus taking him to task for? Ever wonder, when you read this passage, like, good teacher. He's showing respect, and Jesus, like, takes him to task. He's like, oh, who's good? It's like, whoa, Jesus, I was just, you know, giving you a little compliment there, buddy. Ease up. Why does Jesus take the conversation into this area of goodness? Number one, because he's probably challenging the guy, do you really understand the depth of goodness that you're referring to that I have? Number two, he's challenging the man's understanding of where goodness comes from. Because as we will see, he's confused. Are we not all confused a little bit? Aren't we all like this guy, a little confused about where the true source of goodness comes from in our life? We get start confusing the gift with the giver. Listen. Every taste of goodness in your life is a beam of light from the ultimate source of goodness, the sun. When you feel the warmth on your skin from the sun, that warmth, that photon of energy has been traveling millions of miles from the sun. It is the eminence, the radiance of the sun gracing you and filling you with delight on that warm sunny day at the beach. Come on now. Every taste of goodness in your life, think of something good in your life, a friendship, a lollipop, a nice moment out in the surf, man, you know? Nobody knows it's a good day at surf because surf line is saying it's terrible, but man, you got some chest high waves that nobody's getting. Come on, that nice, perfect cup of coffee with a book, the house is quiet, nobody's there. These moments of goodness that we get, in every one of these moments of goodness, these are the crumbs that fall from the table of God's infinite goodness in our life. Do, are they not? This is what Jesus is trying to get to. He's like, oh, do you like that friendship? Do you like that love? Do you like that praise? Do you like the way it feels to achieve and get those grades and get into your call? Man, I'm so glad you like that. But are you aware of where it's coming from? The point of the goodness that comes into our life is to lift our eyes. So we lift our eyes off the floor and we see our place at the table with God as his son and his daughter. To see the point of every experience of goodness, having your child in your arms and they're finally going to sleep. Amen? Amen now. These moments are God's ways of awakening our soul to his infinite goodness to draw our hearts to him. He delights in seeing you enjoy his goodness. And he spreads his goodness recklessly. He's like a guy walking around with $100 bills falling out of his pocket. He doesn't even care. He's just like, yeah, whatever, baby. Oh, hey, you dropped 100 Hey, you can have that one. That's yours. You want that? It's yours. He is so generous with his goodness, he makes his sun shine on the righteous and the unrighteous. He pours out his goodness on people who believe in him, who defy him, who hate him, and who love him. This is God. Because his sharing of these good moments that we have are meant to draw us to him. Do you know that? They're all a bit of the radiance of his goodness that he is drawing us to. Now, okay. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father 
of the heavenly nights. There it is. Every good, perfect gift. Right? Now, your desire for goodness in life is the needle of your soul. Let me see this again. Your desire for goodness, which this man has when he comes to Jesus, he wants the best possible goodness. He wants eternal life. He's got the money. He's got religious life, but something is missing. I want the big enchilada, Jesus. Come on, give me the nacho supreme. I want eternal life. And that desire for goodness in our life is the needle of our soul that is pointing us to God. The problem is when we mistake the good gifts of God and we stay on the ground with the crumb and we lose sight of the table that he is inviting us to sit at with him. That is the problem. That is God's problem and this is the gospel. The gospel is that you don't even have the guts to dare how good of a life God wants you to have with him. And we get stuck on our second best. We get stuck holding on to the good gifts that he's given to us, unable to see the giver of the gift, that the gift is meant to draw us to. And in this moment, he is trying to lift this guy's eyes off his wealth. He's like, man, has this been good for you? And God's like, yeah, it's been good, but something in me wants more. He's like, that's right, it does. That's right, it does. Jesus is not saying, oh, you want too much. Jesus is not like saying, oh, you're getting a little greedy now here, rich young guy. You just want too much goodness. Jesus is not smacking him down like, hey, I don't want you to have that much goodness. You know, you just kind of get, you know, you'll think you're something you're not. You'll think too highly of yourself. Instead, Jesus is trying to lift his eyes to take him to the next level of God's goodness in his life. Verse 21 This is my favorite verse. You ready for this? This is the best verse in the whole thing. This is so spectacular. Here he is in this moment. He is about to say the most difficult thing this man has ever heard. And listen to to this little insight we get. Verse 21. Jesus looked at him and loved him. come these moments in our life where Jesus is just looking at you and he's loving you and he's like let me show you an idol in your life so I can set you free that's the love of God that's how much he loves us he looked at him and loved him one thing you lack isn't that a bit ironic can you see, anyone see the irony here? What's the irony? Anyone want to raise a hand? Throw me, throw me some irony. What's the irony? One thing you lack. You see the irony here? Yeah, everything. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Kate. Come on now, people. That's a UCSD grad right there. Is it not? Go Tritons. Woo! That's right. This is the irony. One thing you lack, he says to the guy who's got everything. One thing you lack. You got it all. You don't have me. You don't have anything. And this man knows that. So does Jim Carrey. <laughs> you got it here's the thing let's just, come, let's just get down to the core issue here Jesus is ferociously jealous in his love for you he will not share the throne of your heart with anything anyone in your life he will not share the throne of your heart 
with any of his gifts. Think of the gifts that God has put in your life. God is not going to share the throne of your heart with any of those gifts. He loves you too much. He is jealous for his best in your life. Because remember, no matter how good that gift is, and you draw inventory of those gifts, it is a crumb from the table of his infinite goodness and the goodness of his intention toward you. Ever have a moment where God challenges you and he calls out something in your life where maybe God begins to, there's some gift in your life that maybe you lose and it makes you question God's love for you. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever had a moment where you lose a gift that was in your life and it causes you to wonder how good can God be? I had a moment like that this morning. When, you, when I woke, wake up in the morning, the first thing I want is my cup of coffee. Caffeine is a gift from God to me. And I thank God for it. It's, it, it is a goodness of God in my life, in my bloodstream, making me feel alert and happy. And I'll tell you, I got one of these coffee machines that it's set preset and it's going to grind the coffee and it's going to be such a fresh cup of coffee before I even come down. I tell it when to brew, when to grind, then brew. And I come down and there it is waiting for me, queued up, hot, fresh. Mm, mm, mm. Popped in about 32 ounces of water in that puppy, came down. And I knew there was something wrong when I saw the Carafe, is that the right, is that, did I say that right? Carafe? Carafe, yeah, there we go, that's French words. I saw the carafe sitting on the kitchen counter. Yep, you know what happens when I walk over to the coffee machine, 32 ounces of coffee, all of goodness, all over the tile floor. Now right there, the loss of that gift almost caused me to lose my faith in God. God, how can there be a good God in the world that would allow this to happen in my morning? You know, but we do have moments like this, don't we? You know, we're like little silly things. God, how, how could you let me lose this game? I, I would have been on top. You know, we have these moments where these, these gifts that we want, that we don't get or we lose or God allows to be taken and we start to question God. You know what I'm talking about? That's what's going on here. That's what's going on here. Let me tell you a serious one. I had prayed for my family when I became a believer for them to come to know Jesus. And there I was praying, believing that God gave me a word. And my parents went through a really painful divorce. And I saw my family just get shattered and split in half and all kinds of pain blow out. And it really caused me to doubt God's goodness in my life. And I'll never forget. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to let you in on an awkward intimate moment with me and God, but don't worry. Me and God worked it out, so you don't need to feel awkward about it anymore. All right, so there I was with God, and I said, God, how can you be good and allow this to happen to my family? What is the point in following you if there's no obvious benefit in my life? Ever felt like that? That's how I was feeling. I'll tell you right now, I'm not gonna be ashamed to admit it. I question whether or not I wanted to be a Christian anymore. Straight up right there. I can remember the moment sitting on that shaggy carpet in that old, you know, post-college apartment, asking the Lord, East Bluff, yeah, asking the Lord, Lord, how can I even follow you anymore? And we get there. Because these are the moments where the gift has become the giver and has taken the place of God in our life. 
and we lose touch with God's love. Because the gift has become larger than God. That happens. What was meant to draw us to God has become God. You know what I'm talking about? Do you know? What I, do? I mean, do you know? Can you th- can you think of a place in your life where that's happened? Hmm. Verse twenty-two, he says, "Go sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me." What? Now, this is this is it. This is one of these moments with Jesus where he's just crazy. Straight up crazy, okay? No one is in this moment with Jesus going, oh yeah, that's so Jesus. Oh, Jesus, you're such a funny guy. No, no, dude, everybody is freaking out right now. Okay, everybody's freaking out. This is a crazy moment. The disciples, it says in verse 24, it says in verse 24, the disciples were amazed. In verse 26, after Jesus tries to explain to them what he's doing, it says they're even more amazed. Let me tell you something. This is not the amazed that comes when Jesus walks on water or heals people or multiplies the food, you know? This is not that kind of amazed. This is a kind of amazed, like you're swimming in the ocean, woo, I'm snorkeling, and an orca whale, killer whale, swims up next to you. You know what I'm talking about? That kind of amazed? Okay, what kind of amazed is that? Yeah, yeah, that's like a, this thing could eat me kind of a maze. That's like, uh, oh my gosh, this thing could consume me. And that's how they're feeling with Jesus. Why? Why are they not like, oh, wait, Jesus, a stick it to the man. You told that rich guy, whoo. You know, why weren't they just like, oh man, you showed that rich guy. What's up? You just, boom, took him down. You stuck it to the man. Why? Why are they kind of like, what is going on right now? Listen. Because they are thinking, if not him, then who? This guy represents the kind of person that they would most expect would be accepted by God. This guy, because he's rich, because he's religious, he's got it all. You know what I'm talking about? You ever feel like that about people? You're like, man, if they're famous and they're a celebrity, they've got to have it all. You know what I'm talking about? Celebrities are kind of like that for us this rich guy for their disciples. That's why I'm quoting Jim Carrey. Come on, okay. You know when you see celebrities on the cover of a magazine and they're kind of going through a boo-hoo moment, you know, it's a little hard to feel sympathetic to them. You know what I mean? You're like, come on, really? Am I going to feel sorry for you? As I, you got your mansion and your yachts and all that fame, it's like kind of hard to like go, man, you got a tough though. That's tough life, man. Right? We know that those things don't purchase happiness. We know that but we kind of expect it to, don't we? And so like when Jim Carrey is like, man, I wish you could have it all and know that it's not going to be the answer. Jesus is like, yeah, I know. And that's what he's doing with this guy. He's getting into this guy's heart, not because he wants to condemn him or shame him. These are these moments, these are the moments when God's gifts are placed above God. This is called an idol. Listen. An idol, according to Tim Keller, listen to this quote. An idol is anything more important to you than God. That's an idol. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. 
and anything that you seek to give you what only God can give. That's an idol. Where our gifts take God's place in our heart. And there are times in our life where God asks us to reprioritize, to surrender control, and to let go of things in our life. When this moment, when he says, go sell everything to this guy, it represents these moments in our life where God asks us to reprioritize his gifts in our life or to, to let go or to cut some of these gifts out of our life. To cut some of them out. Like a friend of mine who was like, you know, I'm fasting from alcohol. I'm like, what's that? Why are you doing that? He's like, because, you know, I've been going through stuff, and at night I can just tell I'm drinking that wine just to comfort me and get me through some of the stuff I'm carrying at night. And it just takes the edge off. But, you know, I want to, I just, I don't want to, I don't want to find my comfort in alcohol. This is what he said. I want to get rid of the alcohol and make more room to pray, and I want to find my comfort from God. And every time at night I want that drink of, of wine, it reminds me to pray. Come on. That's what, see, Jesus loves wine. Remember, he's the guy who turned 160 gallons of water into the best wine anybody ever had. Jesus knows how to throw a good party. But wine is not the issue, nor is money. The issue is, is when the gift supersedes our trust in God and we trust in the gift more than we trust in God. To define us to define you. What? Your achievement does not define you. To give us value. To bring meaning to our life. Yeah, this is what we cling to idols for. Now listen, here we go. Sometimes God will ask us to cut something out of our life. Sometimes God will ask us to diminish the priority we are giving something. He's not asking you to get rid of it. He's like, you know, don't give it so much attention. Take a Sabbath. Rest. Trust God to provide for your business. Trust God to provide for your studies. Take a rest. Trust me. Reprioritize. Come on now. You like that? That's God. I want to invite the band to come on out. So that's two ways Come on. Sometimes God will ask us to use his gifts in our life in a new way. Like this rich guy, he's not like go throw in the ocean. Just get rid of it, man. That stuff is evil. Get rid of that money. He's not, you know, he's, he's just like, go give it all to the poor. You want a taste of my life? Go give it to the poor. Just like me, I'm about to pour out my life for the world. Enter into my joy. And lastly, sometimes God will allow life circumstances to take away the things <clears throat> that we have put our trust in. God is jealous for you. You know that? He is so jealous for you. And he will not share the throne of your heart with anything or anyone. As you go into this song, listen to this word from Jonah 2.8. Jonah swallowed up in the belly of an orca, was repenting, and he said this, those who cling to worthless idols will turn away from God's love for them.
tonight, God is looking at you and he's loving you. He's loving you. But he needs you to let him show you where your treasure is. Doesn't matter if you're 10 or if you're 60. You're never too young to start getting your little idols going. You know, we can have our own little shelf idols and we start polishing them and just loving on them. Never too young. Say, Lord, Jesus, I want to love you more than anything in this world. And any gift that you surrender to God, here's the, here's the kicker. Read the passage and you'll see. He's going to give back to you a hundredfold. He's going to give it back to you a hundredfold. There is nothing you can ever surrender to God that can compare to what he has in store for you. Because whatever you got and you're clinging to, it is second best. And that's where we're at right now. You got to decide what kind of God you're going to believe in. You're going to believe in the God of the Bible, the God of Jesus Christ, who said, I came to free you from your second best to give you the immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine. Now that is Jesus. And he was willing to pay the highest price to ensure that the absolute best goodness of God would be given to you. But you have to be willing at times in your life to surrender your second best so that God, so you can make room for God's best for you. Or are you going to go on believing that God is just looking at you going, oh, you know, you're just having too much fun. You just got everything dialed in for yourself. You're getting a little big for your britches. I need to knock you down to teach you who's God. That is not the heart of your father in heaven. The heart of your Father in heaven is the giver of every good gift. And anything you've had to surrender to him is going to be returned to you a hundredfold. But you've got to cling to him. I lost my family. I did. But I cling to God. I said, God, I'm willing to let you become bigger than my family. And you want to know what God did? He saved my dad and brought him to faith. Yeah, that's right. it, It did. It stunk. It was painful. But I got my dad saved. My dad is saved. My mom is saved. That broke my family to the core and it brought my dad to his knees to give up on his own goodness and say, God, I'm ready for your goodness. And I led my dad to faith. Can you imagine if I had just given up on God and said, man, God, you just ripped me off. You didn't answer my prayer. Would I have been able to sit in in that room with my dad on August 12th? at 11.30 p.m. and say, Dad, God is calling you home tonight. I wouldn't have been able to do that. Now, God didn't want my parents to get divorced, but this is the wonder of God. He can take our mistakes and our failures. He can take the moments where you are losing a gift in your life by your own poor choices, and he can turn it around. the Father's best in your life. Now that is something. You got an idol in your life? You got stuff you're ready to say, God, you can have it? Come on, prayer team, we're going to do some business. I know, we're a little over, but you know what? Only three minutes, but you know, it's good. So we got some business to do, so prayer team's going to come up here. Now, 
I want you guys to know we are here to help you do business with God. We're not here to play church. We're not here just to get our emotions on. We're not just here to entertain you, give you something to set you listen to. Wasn't that nice? And go home and check off your box. We really want to create space for you to deal with God. And for 2,000 years, one of the ways believers deal with God is by getting prayer from one another. Do you have an area of your life where you need to trust a gift and surrender a gift to God and give it to Him and trust Him with it? Then you need to come down and let someone pray for you. You've got an idol that God is saying you need to cut out of your life? It's out. It needs to go. It needs to be reprioritized. Then you need to come down and let someone pray for you. Let the love of Christ rule over that place in your heart. Amen? Okay. Who's got an idol? Come on. Let's just see it right now. We'll see. You know, are you ready to do this? Who's got an idol in their life? Who can admit it right now? Who can raise their hand? Put your hand up. You got an idol you need to deal with. Well, you know, you guys are going to pray for people, so... <laughs> These guys are so yeah. Well, you're gonna come up and get, you know, we're all, you know, we all got our idols, so they're gonna understand. Come on up here. I'm just joking. Come on up here if you raise your hand. Get these guys praying for you. Don't leave if you've never received prayer. Let someone pray for you tonight. All right. God bless you. Thanks for listening this week. If you're looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, please visit our website, northcoastcalvary.org.